Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Astrology for Beginners podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Kate Boucher. And if you are now coming back for our second episode, I am so happy to have you here. Thank you for sharing your time with me. This is the podcast for you if you have ever wanted to learn how to read a natal chart or were kind of interested in astrology and wished that you understood more about it but didn't know where to begin or it seemed too complicated and you didn't have the time or maybe the resources to invest in learning it. My goal is to break things down for you episode by episode in the most simplified way that I can so that you can learn to speak the language of the stars. In the last episode, we talked about the anatomy of a natal chart or any type of chart really, because they're all sort of built the same way. And I showed you what a natal chart looks like, how it's structured, and we talked about what each of the most basic components of a chart mean. In the next several episodes, after this one, I want to take a deeper dive into each one of these components. I think we'll start with the houses in astrology. That feels natural to me, but stay tuned. For this episode, though, I'm going to veer off that path just a bit because I think it's important to address or provide answers to some really common questions that many people have when they first start studying astrology. These are things that can trip people up or uh, worry them or slow them down in some way, and I don't want that to happen for you. So I'm going to talk about them here before we move forward, and hopefully that will end up being helpful for a lot of people. The first one I want to address isn't so much of a tough or worrisome question or anything like that as much as it is a matter of practicality, and it's about how to find your birth chart. I do want to take a minute to tell you where and how to do this uh, in case you never have, uh, because I didn't do that in the last episode, which is just as well, because in that first episode, I really didn't want you to get bogged down in trying to figure out your own chart or anyone else's anyway. Uh, That seemed like too much information to start with, which is why I just gave you a set of very generic images to look at. Uh, So if you're still getting familiar with that, uh, you can stick to using that handout a bit longer. But if that now seems uh, too basic or uh, oversimplified, you can reference your own natal chart as we go through our discussions. And of course, that always makes things more fun if you get to figure out new things about yourself as you're learning. Okay, so there are many free birth chart calculators available online, uh, so your birth chart should be very easy to access. My favorite ones to go to are astro.com, that's A-S-T-R-O.com, and astro-seek.com, uh, and that's uh, astro, A-S-T-R-O dash S-E-E-K.com. Um, I'll put those in the show notes if I can, too. I actually use astro-seek a lot uh, because, I don't know, I I like their user interface a little better, but I know a lot of people who like astro.com. That one might be the most popular, I think, but you can see what you like. 
If you do go to astro-seek.com, and you can do this later because you don't need to do this for this episode at all, really, uh, I just want to make sure that you know where and how to get your chart. You're going to uh, go to the homepage and click on the square that says birth chart. Scroll down just a bit, and then you're going to put in your birth information, including the date, time, and location. Now, note that you will need your actual birth time to get a complete natal chart. And that segues nicely into the next common question I want to address, which is how important is it that I have an accurate birth time? Well, the answer is that if you want the most complete and accurate picture of yourself, knowing your birth time is very important. So if you don't know that right now off the top of your head, you'll want to see if you can find out somehow, like, say, checking your birth certificate, which is the best way. Or if you don't have a birth certificate uh, and you can't get access to that easily or quickly, you can try asking your parents what time you were born. Uh, And if you can't ask your parents for some reason, perhaps you could ask another relative who would have been aware of what was going on the day you were born, like maybe an aunt or a grandmother or something. Uh, They might be able to give you approximate times, and that could be helpful or not, depending on how close they get and how confident they are uh, about the time that they're giving you. You know, if they say, for example, that you were born early in the morning, but that's all they can tell you, well, early in the morning can be very subjective, right? And it's hard to determine what that actually means to them. But uh, they might say, for example, that you were born at noon. And if they're a few minutes off either way, like maybe your real birth time was 1209 or 1210, that's probably not going to make too much of a difference in most cases. Uh, Although it, it can, a few minutes can make a difference sometimes. This can be the case, especially with angles like the ascendant, which sets up the house placements for the entire chart. Uh, And in some cases, it can affect the sign that the moon is in because the moon changes signs so often, about uh, every two to three days. So if you were born on, you know, one of the days where the moon changed signs and it was around the time of day that the moon changed signs, minutes could be a factor. So if you have a reasonable range for a birth time, but it's not exact, you might try playing around with those times a little bit to see what you get. I've seen cases where people can hone in on a birth time because the astrology seemed so obvious to them once they looked at it. It really resonated with them. So you can try that. Uh, A note, if you cannot get a birth time, if for some reason you simply can't get access to that, you can still pull up a chart uh, using just the day without the birth time. There is a box you can check off uh, next to the spot where you would normally put that information in, stating that the birth time is unknown. And you will still get a chart that shows what signs the planets and all of the celestial bodies were in when you were born. It just won't give you the houses. 
We do see this a lot when we look up celebrity charts, for example, because oftentimes we don't have access to their birth times, even if we know the birthday or the likely location. So sometimes we just work with the information that we have access to. Okay, so that's how you can find your birth chart. Um, you can just put that information in your back pocket and save it for later uh, because the next thing I want to talk about that can come up a lot when people first start taking an interest in astrology and looking at charts is some variation of the am I doomed question. Uh, perhaps they have learned just enough about astrology to see or think that they see something disturbing or challenging, and it feels scary or disappointing, and they get worried. This feels like a really uh, important concern to address right out of the gate because I want to save you from any unnecessary angst as you move along in your astrology journey. Because honestly, the answer is pretty much always no, you're not doomed. You really aren't. And I'll tell you why. First, everything in astrology, and I mean everything, has multiple meanings and interpretations. Every house, every sign, every planet, every planetary aspect, every degree placement, all of it can function in a multitude of different ways at any given time. And it's up to the chart reader and or the person the reading is for to look at the entire chart as a whole rather than picking out any one single thing in isolation and then thinking critically and asking questions in order to discern the best and most accurate or maybe the most likely interpretation for that person at that time. Okay, so you really can't ever say oh, this is here, this means this, always, because that's just not true. Also, there's not uh, anything in astrology that is inherently bad. It's not like there are bad placements and good placements per se. Astrology, like everything else in the world, contains polarity. There is good and bad, or light and shadow, or gifts and challenges inherent in everything at the same time, like two sides of a coin. You can't have one without the other, and it's all part of the same thing. And to make a comparison that most of us can understand, just take a moment to think about your best or what you would think of as your best personality trait. Uh, now, for all of the good that trait does for you, taken to an extreme, it probably trips you up sometimes too, and it could become an area of weakness. So say you have a, a really tenacious and persistent way about you. And when you want something, you get super determined to reach your goal and no one can really knock you off your course, at least not easily. That can be great because it helps you get to where you want to be. More power to you. But the shadow side of that trait might be that people perceive you as really stubborn or as having tunnel vision and missing other things that are going on around you because you were so singularly focused. Another thing I think a lot of us can relate to is the idea that something can happen in your life that is 
initially perceived as negative, but later on, you're glad it happened because it allowed something better to come in. Like maybe you had an argument or a disagreement with your significant other, and it felt horrible in the moment or for a while even, but you ended up having a really beautiful conversation at the end of it, and you reached an understanding, and now your relationship feels more intimate than it did before. And you can also see that your relationship is resilient, and you're capable of working through difficult situations together. So there was both a challenge that didn't feel very good, and a gift there that did feel good, wrapped up inside the same event. Astrology is like that. Things aren't quote-unquote good or bad. They just are. And by the way, everyone is going to have something in their chart that they wish wasn't there because it feels difficult. But that's because life is difficult and we're here to learn and grow from our challenges. Okay, finally, I also want to say to anyone who might get worried about something they see in a chart that astrology doesn't make things happen. Things in your life don't simply happen because of what astrology is doing. What it does do is it provides more of a more of an energetic pathway that makes certain types of issues or lessons or events more likely to come up than they would at other times. But it's not automatic or like some, you know, imaginary magic wand that gets waved. The electrical system in your car, for example, isn't going to shut down for no other reason than Mercury is in retrograde. Mercury retrograde is not going to break your otherwise healthy electrical system that's in really good condition. But if your electrical system was already starting to malfunction or let go in some way, and it needed to be looked at and examined and repaired, then the Mercury retrograde energy creates an energetic pathway or opportunity to shift your attention to what needed attention. I hope that makes sense. And that brings me to the next question many people have, uh, which is, why study astrology? If it can't, you know, tell you your future in a more exacting kind of way, and so much is left to interpretation, how can it benefit me? Well, there are a few reasons I think astrology can be incredibly helpful for people. One of them is a greater sense of self-acceptance and self-love. Sometimes we're immensely hard on ourselves because of who we are or because of personality traits we carry that we don't think we should have or that they're to our detriment somehow. Like, let's say you're someone who has a really difficult time being decisive. It's hard for you to make decisions because you get stuck thinking about all of the possible outcomes of each choice, or you want to make sure that it's the best thing for everyone and it feels important for you to be compassionate and you're kind of cautious and all those things. And you don't want to make the wrong decision. And maybe you've been told all your life by your parents or family members or your teachers that you're too wishy-washy and you just need to buck up and 
be more assertive in your decision making. And most likely, the culture reinforced this notion over and over again because the culture values and rewards assertive people more. So you feel bad about this part of yourself. And then you get to know your chart or you get a reading or something and you discover that in, that the in, that indecisive part of your nature is all over your chart. Uh, perhaps, as an example, you are a Libra or a Libra rising or you have a Libra moon or you have a stellium in Libra or something and you learn about Libra energy and how it has a notoriously tough time making decisions. And it's because they're always seeking balance in everything all the time. They are also trying to keep the peace and um, help people get along with one another better and reach a place of understanding, like a mediator. So they're kind of destined for neutrality. Now, that's not to say that you can't or shouldn't find ways of being more decisive in the right moments. In fact, that's probably a lesson you're trying to learn this lifetime. But knowing how you're wired and getting it validated as a real part of who you are can be incredibly empowering. And you can then learn how to work with your strengths more. Like, in this case, your amazing powers of mediation, negotiation, or bringing people together. Instead of just beating yourself up for the shadow side of that Libra energy, like we just talked about with the gifts and challenges and the light and shadow side of things. You can do this for others, by the way. Looking at a chart for someone else is a great way to understand someone better and accept them for who they are and give them more grace for the challenges they're working on. And it can also allow you to tap into their strengths instead of focusing on their perceived weaknesses. You can also gain more insight about behavior or relationship patterns that come up over and over again or challenges you keep experiencing and get a better idea of why that's happening and what it is that's going on. You can get a clearer picture of uh, what types of things you wanted to look at and work on in this life without being as judgy about them. Because once you see something as being a part of your journey here, you can start to look at that journey more objectively without spinning in circles or getting caught up in all the emotions. And when you can do that, you can start to learn the lessons a bit faster, which is wonderful and liberating. Astrology is also useful because it can save time. Uh, if you are trying to figure out what type of work or career you might be most suited to, for instance, you can spend months going to career counselors and taking aptitude tests and exploring different options. And you still might want to do that. I'm not saying not to. Or you can have someone look at your chart and, you know, if they are adept at career astrology, you might be astounded at the accuracy of what they can tell you about what you're good at and what is fulfilling to you and what isn't fulfilling to you. Finally, once you move beyond natal charts and you start getting into transits and things, 
it is nice to know what types of energy are coming your way so that you can plan certain things out in such a way that you can maximize what the universe is offering you. If you're trying to write a book, for example, and you see multiple transits approaching in the coming weeks that are great for mental clarity or writing or communication and things like that, that can be really nice to know. So you can plan for that instead of trying to plow through and having things take way too long or feel way too frustrating at a time when the uh, opposite type of energy is what's available. Okay, so that's my answer to that question. The final thing I want to address today is another question newbies tend to have, and that is, what does it mean if some houses or some signs are empty? Does that mean that I don't have any of that energy in my life? So the short answer is, No, that's not what that means. The longer answer is that everyone has all of the houses in astrology and all of the signs in their chart. A lot of times people look at their birth chart and they see that there are houses or signs where they don't have any planets or angles or anything. The house appears completely empty. And so they think that maybe that means they're not going to have any significant experiences in that area of their life. This can be especially worrisome for people if one of the houses that's empty falls into an area of life that feels really important to them. So for example, maybe someone really wants to have kids, but there's nothing in their fifth house, which astrologers often associate with children, or they want to get a ahead in their career, but their 10th house is empty. And it doesn't look to them like there's any activity there. So they worry that maybe they are destined not to get something that they want. And I want to reassure people that this isn't the case. We all have all the houses and all of the signs because People do often do the same thing with signs, by the way. They think, oh, I don't have any planets in Leo, so my you know, Leo transits are probably not going to affect me, or Leo energy must not show up in my life. My life is lacking in Leo energy. Too bad, you know. And that's simply not true either. We are our entire chart, not just pieces of it. And all of us have every house and every sign where in our chart showing up somewhere in our life. So if you have Leo ruling your 10th house, but that sign and house are empty, well, Leo is still the ruler of your 10th house of career and reputation. You are still, probably for most people, going to have a career or something that you do for a living or a reputation out in your communities at the very least. And that job and career reputation is still going to be infused with Leo qualities. You might have a job where you are doing Leo types of things, or people see you as having Leo-like traits while you are doing this thing. Leo energy would be integral to the way you show up in this part of your life. And of course, every house is going to have a planetary ruler, which is something we'll talk about in future episodes. And a ruler is determined by the sign the cusp of that house falls into. 
In this case, we're talking about Leo, and Leo is ruled by the sun. So the placement of the sun in one's chart and the condition it's in and what it's doing could give us further clues about one's career and public image. And so, of course, there will also be transits happening throughout uh, your whole life. So every time the sun or one of the planets or lunar nodes moves into Leo and your 10th house, you're likely going to um, experience those transits as being a time where there is increased focus toward your career, or there are things that come up there or change there or something. So if you see parts of your chart that are empty, don't despair. Um, The part of the chart is still there. When there are planets in a house, that simply means that part of our life is going to be emphasized, that there is a heightened focus there, and there are particular lessons and experiences that we're bringing in in order to facilitate our personal and spiritual growth this lifetime. That's something we specifically came here to work on, probably because we haven't done that before or we haven't had as many of those experiences in prior lifetimes and we want to learn those new things. Okay, so I think that's all for this episode. As I said at the beginning, I really wanted to address these things and these questions early because it's common for people to get hung up here, and I don't want anyone worrying unnecessarily or getting slowed down on their journey. Um, I hope it was helpful. I'm happy to answer questions you may have Uh, If you want to leave a comment, you can also email me anytime at stephaniekateboucher at gmail.com. Note that Stephanie is spelled with an F, not a PH, which trips people up a lot. You can find a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being here. I love doing this and be sure to stay tuned because there's lots more in store. See you next time.